0: Hello and welcome to Coexisting. It's 2020 and due to the coronavirus making its way across the world, we find our towns and cities in lockdown in an effort to slow the pandemic. I'm Lara Lightbody, the producer of this show. Apart from the COVID headlines filling our screens, I was curious to hear how people were living day to day. So I asked the same eight questions to people in different countries to get a glimpse of their lives during their version of shelter at home. The questions I ask cover life right now as that person is living it. What day of shelter are you on? What are the rules in place? What is it like in the streets where you live? What practical advice has helped you at this time? What is your most memorable moment? And what would you say to someone who is feeling low today? It's part information, part human story archive, but mainly trying to get an uplifting bent on this insane situation we find ourselves in, and at the same time preserving these memories in audio. Memories that will, in a few short months, be forgotten. So, plug in those headphones or that speaker, grab a cup of tea or a glass of the good stuff, and take a seat. This is Coexisting.
1: Hi, I'm Grant. I'm speaking from Shanghai, China, but originally from New York in the U.S. of A. I am a corporate sustainability and environmental health and safety professional. I'm a father of two. Today is July 16th. It is 11.24 p.m. I am sitting in my office and someone just turned the lights out on me. As I look out my window, I see normal. I see normal for this time. And I hate to say that because there's so many people around the world that don't see the same things when they look out their window. I feel quite lucky to be in China at this stage. And at the beginning of this pandemic, no one would have said that, but now I feel quite confident and comfortable, I must say. Yeah, I almost don't want to say shelter in place kind of feels like a distant memory for me. If I'm being honest, I've returned to China from Europe on a business trip in the middle of Chinese New Year to a city that was in lockdown. Actually, my colleagues in Europe were trying to convince me to stay in Europe and get my family to come out to Europe as well. Oops. But, um, I did decide to go back to China when I got there. If you looked around, you would have. Just assumed it was a normal Chinese New Year with the mass migration. But it was a ghost town of a ghost town. You know, even more restaurants were closed, fewer people, but more masks. It was quite bizarre, even though it looked reasonable for the time period. In Shanghai, we Never had an official kind of mandatory quarantine or shelter in place per se, but many people remained in their hometowns after the holiday and the city remained empty for quite a long time after Chinese New Year. And it was around March when I first started heading back into the office and started seeing some semblance of normality. But in that time period, I was uh, home with my wife and two children, both aged five. I would say that it's almost completely back to normal. There's a couple things that are still awry. You have to look for them though. Sporting events are still fanless. School schedules are still vague. Masks are still encouraged, but people are getting a bit lax with that requirement. During the lockdown, everyone wore masks. It was a a sign of unity, it was a sign of compassion, plus it was a state mandated requirement. So done deal, everybody does that. During lockdown many of my favorite restaurants closed down for good. During lockdown we saw quite a lot of creativity for the restaurants and bars that tried to remain open. They were pushing the boundaries of what's possible every day. Then the next day the officials came and shut them down, then they do something different, and there's this amazing dance of pushing the envelope. That seems like a long time ago now. When the Beijing spike was detected recently, I think it was around 60 people, there was no obvious reaction from government officials in Shanghai because the response in Beijing was so swift and so sweeping, there was no need to respond in Shanghai. Well, let's put spike in the context. Spike is, what, 60 people in Beijing? And Beijing saw that, and they locked down 600,000 people like that. So do I feel the effects in Shanghai? Absolutely not. No. I think in Shanghai, uh, the numbers are ridiculous. In Shanghai, we had less than a thousand cases, and I can count the total deaths on two hands. This is a city of 25 million people, mind you. I think a lot of people in the West or people who've never been to China just don't understand the vastness of the country and the vastness and the size of these cities and the ability for the government here to mandate and the willingness of the people to oblige. This pandemic, it's going to go down in history for many things, but one thing it will be known for is the catalyst that pushes the limits on technology and connecting through technology. Because of that, I've grown closer to people that I wouldn't have, honestly, because we're all worried about each other's sanity. And given the popularity of these technical platforms, like you and I are speaking on right this second, um, being able to connect, uh, being able to show empathy has never been easier. And it's never been as widely accepted doing that digitally than ever before. Um, you know, and I, I hope this isn't, an overshare but um, my father also uh, uh, passed away to COVID-19 in the United States. He was around uh, the 32,000th lost soul in in the U.S. Um, We had a virtual funeral for him uh, and that was a very unnatural thing to plan um, but think because it was virtual because we used technology we had people show up that maybe wouldn't have made the trip you know and because of that so many stories were shared um around how he impacted others and uh, I mean yes I always knew that my father was amazing but um Just hearing other people talk about the stories of um, his integrity uh, and kindness. um, I think that if I can have a positive outcome of this pandemic, it, it was that. It was actually through YouTube. I had no idea YouTube had that sort of functionality. People could type on it and people were sharing notes in a chat box through YouTube. My parents lived in New Jersey and uh, he passed in the hospital in New Jersey. We had his virtual funeral before we received his ashes because there were too many people to process. It, it, yep, yep. This is a part of my life and there's no changing that now and I've, I've learned a lot about myself from it. And um, yeah, I don't mind sharing it. Put it that way. Currently, I'm a global sustainability professional, corporate sustainability professional. I started in this role the first of the year and was supposed to relocate with the family to the Netherlands in March or April. Clearly, those plans were put on hold. Throughout my career, I always traveled. I've been away from home more than 50% of the time for a number of years, and I've never been this long in one place in over 19 years. So you would think that I'm having more quality time with the family and it's happy days at home, but trying to work a job that should be based in the EU from Asia means I work Asia hours and I work EU hours. So while I sleep in my bed every night, I rarely see my wife and kids. When I signed up for this role, I was told that, Grant, you are going to be one of the figureheads of the company. We need you to go out into the regions. We're a global firm. We operate in every continent except Antarctica and Africa. We want you to meet people, we want you to hear people, but now that role will change a complete 180. I doubt I will do any travel. And I think that is amazingly refreshing. I really hope that we really learn something from this. People have said COVID is the dry run, it's the rehearsal for climate change. And that is a fact. That is a fact this is an opportunity that i don't take lightly um, and i hope people around the world feel the same way companies definitely are remembering that sustainability is good business because most of the time it equals cost savings and what we've shown is that we can continue to connect with people in a meaningful way over the internet, over these chat platforms. So we're revising our policies to not promote it, but to require it. It's getting embedded into our policies. We're going to have checks and balances around it. My company aims to be carbon neutral in the next uh, couple of years. And that's gonna come from a reduction of emissions, reduction of travel, investment in renewable energy, transition to electric vehicles, Investment in sustainable aviation fuels, because there will be some flying done. You know, let's get real on that. And then investing in programs that offset the remainder. That's all part of the equation. It's doable. It's doable. It's not easy, but it's doable. We can stop flying. Yes. We had people who would fly from the U.S. to the U.K. on a Tuesday, fly back home on a Friday, and then go back to the UK the next Tuesday. Like what, no, come on now. No, 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 not anymore. And I really hope that sort of behavior is dropped into the bin. So for my job, I sit in front of a computer a lot. And now I do that a lot more. I didn't think that was possible, but I do that a lot more. So one tip that I have adopted wholeheartedly I love the 45 minute meeting. Don't schedule anything with me for an hour. Give me 45 minutes, and then you have 15 minutes to get up, walk around, stretch the legs, or you know, even write down your action items and just have a sense of closure from that. In China, what I see is our office has a lot of young people and the young people come to the office. My guess, and this is just me guessing, is that a lot of young people here live in smaller apartments, either with family or with its shared apartments, and working there is not an option. So when it was possible to come back, they come back. There are some older people that have maybe a larger home. They often work from home. I don't need to be here, and there's an acceptance of not going in. Another great side effect: there's got to be some. Never waste a great crisis, right? Who said that? Was that Churchill, right? It was either Churchill or Roosevelt. One of the two. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) If I could share one message to everyone around the world who are unsure, yes, these are unprecedented times, so it is okay to feel unsure, it's okay to feel unsettled, it's okay to feel disappointed, it's okay to feel fed up, but what you have to do is stay focused and follow the rules, yeah? In the future, people are going to ask what were you doing during COVID? And you're going to want to be able to answer that question in confidence that you did all you could to prevent spread of this wretched pandemic, wretched disease. Right Side of History.
0: Thank you for listening to Coexisting. It's Lara Lightbody, the producer of the show. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear the story unfold, here is where I need your help. Hit the subscribe button so Coexisting comes up automatically in your feed. Secondly, write a review and rate with stars, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts. And if there's anyone out there that you think would make a great guest, just get in touch. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn as Coexisting Podcast. That way that many more people will find us.